Hello everyone and welcome once again to Motos and Friends, the weekly podcast brought to you by the editorial team at Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This week we only have the one segment, but if you're interested in a tasting of what's to come in 2023, then you'll want to listen to Don Williams' roundup from the very recent EICMA show in Italy. Don tells us about the new machines coming from some of the main manufacturers, including the Honda XL750 Transalp, the CL500 Scrambler-styled machine, and Honda's light touring machine derived from the Honda Rebel 1100, and it comes in the DCT version. From Suzuki, of course, we have the main models featuring that all-new parallel twin 800 motor we talked about last week. News of the all-new V-Strom 800DE ADV bike and the naked upright GSX 8S are eagerly anticipated, especially by our staff here at Ultimate Motorcycling. Indian have done some interesting things with its lineup of various versions of the awesome FTR 1200, and Royal Enfield have produced a cruiser, the Super Meteor 650, That features its 650 twin motor that powers the interceptor. From Italy, Aprilia has gone to extremes with the 660 Extrema. It's basically a track-ready version of the well-acclaimed machine. Yamaha, interestingly, has revamped the Nikon GT, one of the most interesting motorcycles I've ever ridden. Lastly, Don tells us about Kawasaki's newly announced electric hybrids and hydrogen fuel cell machines. Those are a peek into the near future for sure. Love them or hate them, you better get used to them as they're just around the corner. EICMA is arguably the most important show in the world for motorcycling. So from all of us here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoy Don's roundup this episode. EICMA is always a big deal. It's kind of annoying. They call it EICMA 2022, but of course they're talking about 2023s. So, <laughs> so I'm just going to call it EICMA instead of EICMA 2022 because it, it, it is all about 2023 models. And uh, you kind of have a mix of models that we are going to see and the models that we are not necessarily going to see. But of course, the ones that we aren't necessarily going to see are often as uh, interesting as the ones that, that are going to make it to the United States. And one that's really popular with people right away that I'd like to start out with is the uh, 2023 Honda XL750 Transout. Right. It's been 30 years since we had the Transout name in the United States. And I remember uh, when it first came out, you know, it was, it was, adventure bikes went the norm back then and people weren't really aware of what they were. And when it came out, uh, I used to ride the LA Barstow to Vegas dual sport ride. And the first year it came out, some guys came out on Transalps thinking, well, these are, these are dual sport bikes. It's a big dual sport bike, but it's a dual sport bike. You know, they had knobbies and stuff, but they quickly found out that they are not dual sport bikes, <laughs> that the adventure bike uh, genre is, is a completely different, uh, different animal off-road. And uh, they came in at, remember at the end of the ride with uh, broken fairings and the bikes were just trash from one ride. So, uh, the Transalp had a very short life in the United States because I think people just didn't understand what the purpose of it was and how to, to best use it, you know, as a motorcycle. But now adventure bikes are the norm. Everybody understands what they are, what they're for, for the most part. And uh, I think they have a better chance. Now, for me, adventure bikes kind of fall into three categories. You have the adventure bikes that, uh, like, let's say the uh, Kawasaki Versus 650 or the Versus 1000, which has 17-inch wheels. To me, those are street bikes that have adventure styling. Because when you go to the 17-17 wheel, wheel set, you're not going off-road on that. All those have very street-oriented tires, and they're, they're street bikes. you know, And they just have that adventure kind of attitude, but they aren't really adventure bikes. For then sure. you have the next step up, which is the bikes with a 17-inch rear wheel and a 19-inch front. Now, those are nominally off-roadable. Uh, having that 19 makes a big difference in rolling over rocks and ruts and different things. And uh, they're, they're pretty good, but they're still still street-oriented. You still don't find them, you know, the most dirt-oriented tires for that wheel set, again, because all dual-sport bikes are 18 
21 wheel sets. So all the most aggressive off-road tires are all in that, those sizes. You don't have them in the, in the 17, 19s, but that's the normal, you know, the kind of average one, like a Suzuki uh, V-Strom, the 650 and the 1050. Those are examples of the 17, 19 combo or the BMW uh, standard adventure, you know, GS adventure, not the adventures, the standard BMW GS bikes have that same wheel combination. Well, the Honda is, is going for the dirt because it has the 18, 21 inch wheel combination. And that's, you know, that's a big deal. And that right. tells, tells you that, hey, this is a bike that we anticipate you will ride out in the dirt, just like the Africa Twin is the same thing, 18, 21. And so this puts the new Trans Alp 750 into the mix against the Yamaha Tenere 700 because it's, it has that same wheel size. And so those are, this is, this is a direct, direct attempt to take that market. Uh, and as I'll be talking about in a little bit, there's also the new Suzuki V-Strom uh, 800DE that's, that's got the, the same wheel size. So anyway, so we have this Trans Alp that is an off-road focused adventure bike, uh, still not a dirt bike, still not even a drill sport bike, but, but for an adventure bike, definitely uh, uh, dirt worthy. And it's got the same motor that's in the new Honda Hornet. It was released a little bit in advance of uh, EICMA. And it's a, it's a 750 parallel twin. It has the uh, 270 degree firing uh, order. So it has that kind of V20 kind of thump, 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 thump firing. And uh, so that's another setup that works good in the dirt, gives the tires a little bit of a ch chance to find some traction. And it works, you know, good in the street, as we know. So although it has the same motor as the Hornet with, you know, it's again, 750cc, 755cc twin uh, with the Unicam four valve top end. And in case people aren't familiar with the Unicam, basically the cam actuates the intake valves directly and then the exhaust valves on uh, rocker arms. So it's kind of like a one and a half cam, you know, it's not like a dual over cam, but at least half right. of that system is, is direct. So it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, a midway between a single overhead cam and a, and a double overhead cam. So anyway, so it's got the, you know, it's got 91 horsepower, 55 foot pounds of torque, got a rev it to get there, but uh, uh, it's, it looks like it's going to be a real, you know, off-roadable bike, just like the Africa twin, but in a, in the size of a 750 and, you know, pr presumably a lower price. It's, uh, you know, it's got a six speed assistant slipper clutch, but there's no DCT option yet. So that puts it, you know, another reason it's a little bit, you know, down market from the Africa twin. Uh, it is ride by wire. So it's got the power modes and traction control, engine compression, braking, all this stuff is adjustments, uh, adjustable. Even the ABS, there's two levels of ABS, plus you can turn the rear wheel ABS off. And you don't really want to turn the front wheel ABS off. I don't think right. you can off-road for the most no. part. And it's got a TFT dash, all the goodies. And so it's, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that, if that bike makes it to the United States. I can't believe it won't. Uh, but we never know what's going to happen with that. So uh, no. it's, it's definitely an interesting looking bike. And it's one of those things where it's going to, be able to do a lot of things like even though it's adventure bike even though it's got the 1821 wheels you could just still just use it as a commuter bike if you wanted honda says it gets 54 miles a gallon it's got a four and a half gallon gas tank so you can get over 200 miles you know if you're riding it you know conservatively so you know it's just a it's going to be just like the yamaha tenery is i expect it's going to be a very good all-around motorcycle and another little side aspect of this and this may be a euro only thing again it's a euro only bike but as we all know with bmw they're always putting together packages for their bikes you can get the right. sport package or the premium package or the luxury package well the honda actually come, has five different packs they call them they have an adventure okay. pack comfort pack rally pack touring pack and urban pack so honda's getting into that that aspect of the business and probably make it impossible for you to buy a standard one <laughs> kind of like it is for for uh bmw 
but it's all all very interesting. Uh, you know, they even have pictures of the bike all decked out. I mean, you could get it with a big aluminum skid plate and panniers, plus a top box, plus engine guards and hand guards. So there's, you know, there's all these different parts that they add to it to make it, uh, you know, more adaptable for what you want to do with it because it should be a good touring bike just as, again, like the Tenere 700 or the uh, other bikes in that, that, that class. Uh, there's no price. Again, we to keep saying the same thing over and over again, we don't know if it's going to make it to the United States. But, you know, at 460 pounds, it's not heavy. That's, that's you know, again, Tenere 700 air, area of weight. And so it's, it's going to be a, a worthy opponent. And I, uh, when I wrote about it, I was challenging Honda, American Honda, to bring this bike in. You know, I wanted <laughs> to take off my shoe and pound it on the desk. We want this bike. Because, <laughs> right. of course, as journalists, we get to ride it. We don't have to pay for it. So it's easy for us to go, hey, bring that in so I can ride it right but it's it's definitely a motorcycle that makes you know that i see that and i go man i want to ride that that that's that looks like that would be fun and that would be cool so it's a direct competitor to the tenere then and and presumably so is the new suzuki as well which we'll talk about in a minute but right okay so that's uh that's sort of filling up the the that sort of upper middleweight um adventure bike space really isn't it with the uh with the japanese and of course there's the europeans as well already there but uh, but that's quite interesting. So, right. Um, I mean, you could, that's, a, that's a growing market segment, I would say. Right. And the Japanese, what, you know, we don't have a price on it, but we know what, about what it's going to be. And it way undercuts what, like the Aprilia Touareg 660, you know, sure. that's a smaller engine, but it's a much more expensive motorcycle and it does have yeah. a lot more features and stuff. So the Japanese kind of keep it simple, keep it less expensive and, and the Europeans throw the entire kitchen sink at it right and that's that's good because that means you have a choice and choices are better than everything being identical right and so that brings us to the suzuki v-strom 800 de and d 800 de adventure now the funniest thing about this of course is that it's, it's got that new parallel twin motor that we talked about last week in the podcast and so if you haven't listened to that, I can't believe that you have it. But just in case you haven't, <laughs> you should probably go back and listen to us go on about this new engine that Suzuki has. And I'm now going to talk about the two motorcycles that, that they put it in. And sure. the, uh, or actually three, but two of them are variants of the V-Strom 800. So anyway, the, the big news is, is that the Suzuki V-Strom 800 DE is not a V- it's called a V-Strom, but it is actually a P-Strom. Right. Because it's a parallel twin. And uh, somebody said that Strom means stream in German. So that would have been called the P-Stream, which <laughs> probably not. wouldn't have been a good marketing tool. <laughs> so V-Strom, <laughs> it, it, it remains regardless of the, uh, the name of it. So, uh, you know, so or regardless of the, configuration of the motor and right. so it has that new parallel twin we can't tell you more about it than what suzuki has told us but it has again the the 270 degree firing it's ride by wire it's it's not quite as sophisticated as the honda but it, it it's close uh it does have a quick shifter so this uh new v-strom 800 you know a quick shifter that's pretty cool you know and yeah. that that technology is starting to trickle down to the less expensive motorcycles. And uh, I think yeah. I talked about last week about how much I like quick shifters after initially being skeptical of the value of them. Sure. These are two bikes where, again, I really want to ride them both uh, because I have no idea which one's going to be better, which ones I'm going to like, which one I'm going to like better, which one's going to work better on the street, which one's going to work better on the dirt. Right. It's going to be a really... It's gets it's gonna be great and that's as a journalist that's the kind of thing that gets really excited oh this is gonna be cool what is about which one is which i i did find find out one little uh tidbit of information today that i thought was interesting the scem uh coating on the inside of the new suzuki engine bores that was actually originally developed and appeared on their wankel re5 engine in 1976 <laughs> so that's so it's the brand new latest technology 
some brand new latest technology that's now coating the cylinders of the brand new engine. That's amazing, though. I mean, it's uh, so it all sort of comes full circle. I, you know, all these ideas that they tried out years ago actually still have some validity, which is quite interesting. And, and props to the guy who thought of it, because obviously it was a, a yeah. durable design idea. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so go on. So sorry to interrupt. So anyway, it, uh, the V-SROM 800DE, when it first came out, we thought, oh, well, this is going to replace the V-SROM 650. As it turns out, it is not. And uh, Suzuki, after I mentioned that in the story, Suzuki said, "Die, you're jumping the gun. The V-SROM 650 is going to be continued, is going to continue to be offered. So that's cool because, again, more bikes, more choices. That's good for everybody. And it, as we know, the V-Strom is a successful, popular, awesome bike, and especially the 650. And uh, so the 800DE is going to exist concurrently with the 650. But again, this is a this isn't an, an 18 21 inch wheel combo. It's a 17 21 inch wheel combo, which is not as good because with the 17 you lose a bit of of tire options, but that's you know that's what Suzuki went with, and so that will limit its flexibility compared to the 1821 Honda. Uh, this this new V-Strom 850DE has 8.7 inches of wheel travel at both ends, which is longer than any other V-Strom ever. So that tells you that they're saying this bike is designed to go off road. You know we've got the long travel suspension, so you can hit the rocks, hit the ruts, and go bounce along, and maybe even do a little bit of get a little bit airtime. And the thing isn't going to come coming down like a like a ton of bricks, although it's 507 pounds, so it's considerably heavier than the Honda. But as we all, as I always tell people, we don't ride the spec sheet; we ride the motorcycle. And you never know exactly how that's going to play out. You know, is it going to? You just don't know. And you could, you know, if you if you wear, you know, 10 pounds on top of your head, that feels the difference in wearing 10 pounds around your waist. Or 10 pounds around your ankles so it's not all about weight 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 is important but it, a lot of it can depend on where that how that weight is distributed and, and how that plays out so you know it, it's just up to see it and it's, it's funny it's like like the honda even though they have these off-road oriented wheels they have very street oriented tires still and my guess is is that when they're going to do the sound tests and things like that that the the street tires are quieter. I know that KTM does that. They put ridiculous tires on their enduro bikes that nobody would ever go riding with just so they can pass sound tests. Right. So these are the same way, I think. But again, it has, you know, traction control adjustment and there's ABS modes that again, allowing you to shut off the rear wheel ABS, which is, is good for uh, off-road riding. Uh, there's four levels of traction control as well as off. So if you just want to spin the rear wheel up uh, off-road that, which at times when you're, you know, when you're going through a corner and you want to steer with a rear wheel, being able to spin that rear wheel up makes a big difference. It's got a TFT screen, looks good. Uh, so you'll be able to do that, use that to run through all the different electronics that it has and it has alerts for warning issues. There's all, all the kind of more modern things that are, that are coming up uh, that we start to see on bikes pretty much all the time. So, so that's all cool. And then there's an adventure version that with the big deal, it gets uh, panniers. That's the big standard one. It's also got uh, interprotection steel guard that you can mount like, they don't like to call it a crash bar because then if you crash and it doesn't do its job, they hey we didn't say it was a crash bar you know <laughs> we just say it's a it's an engine bar or an accessory bar <laughs> right. but you know you put like fog lights and stuff on it and and it looks you know off-roadish and it would i'm sure it does something what the limits of its protection are is going to totally depend on what the, the crash is going to be like but if you tipped it over in a parking lot it would save the plastic pretty much for sure and but again it's got the you know aluminum uh panniers which are cool powder coated waterproof right and uh, so that's all, you know, all the good stuff. And uh, it upgrades the skid plate from the plastic one to an aluminum one. So the adventure, you know, if I were buying it, that would be the one I would want because, it, you know, you want the bags just in case you want to go somewhere, do something, you know? Right. And so if you have to add them on to the standard one, you're, 
you know, it's just going to cost you more money. So you might as well just get that right away and, and swallow that, and, and, you know, the extra price, although we don't know what the extra price is, but, uh, you know, that's, that's coming. So, you know, the, again, the, you know, I can just see we have to get three people together to go on the Honda. Well, the Honda, we don't know is in yet, but certainly then we'll be comparing the, the Tenere 700 from Yamaha and the uh, new Suzuki V-Strom 800 DE right. and seeing how, how they compare. Right. So that's another exciting bike. So while we're on the Suzuki subject and that new parallel twin 800, they now have a Suzuki GSX-8S. And this is another one of those bikes where just saying the letters is uh, GSX-8S. It's like <laughs> they were looking for tongue twisters. <laughs> and Suzuki loves the alphabet soup. And this is another alphabet soup bike. So I'm just going to try to remember to just call it the 8S. And uh, it uses that same motor tuned differently and in a completely different chassis. It's, this is a sport bike. You know, it's a GSX. You know what that all means. It's unfair, naked. Uh, it's got some interesting looking plastic. Some people think it looks cool. Some people think it looks ugly. So, and if they're on Facebook, they're going to say it looks ugly. It's funny. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking when you're on Facebook or some people and they see a motorcycle, they're going through, they're scrolling through the feed and they see a bike that we're talking about. And they're like, oh, that bike is ugly. Oh, I have to tell the world that that bike is ugly. And I think that bike is ugly. And how dare they make a bike that I think is ugly. And I was thinking, does this guy go to a dealer and go, that bike's ugly? I like that bike. Well, why didn't they make this bike like that bike? You know, <laughs> and it, it, you know, they'll say that this bike is too heavy, let's say. And I'll say, well, they could make it lighter, but you'd have to pay $3,000 more. Oh, well, that's too much. Well, you don't, you can't be, you know, there's this, if you want that bike, that's a different bike. Yeah. You know, this is the bike that it is, except what it is. And if you're interested, that's great. If you're not interested, say, well, that's not the bike for me. They didn't make that bike for me. So anyway, this one was just one that really cracked me up. You know, I mean, it, it is an unorthodox looking bike. Uh, it doesn't look like the Yamaha MT-07, but like the MT-07, it's got a, a polarizing appearance. Some people are going to think it looks cool. And other people are going to think it's the ugliest bike in the history of the world. How dare they? So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You've seen it. What do you think, Arthur? Do you like it or? I like the looks of it. Yeah, I've seen seen pictures of it. Actually, it's in a sort of a, a almost like a powder blue color. Yeah, there's a blue, a white, and a black. Yeah, the powder blue. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's just really nice. It's just a little different. I mean, it looks like Suzuki have really sort of stepped up the the fit and finish as well on it. So again, it's difficult to tell from pictures, but I've I've done a bit of hunting around and. It just looks like a high quality bike that I suspect is going to be for an inexpensive price. So I definitely want to put my name down on the list of uh, test riders for that one. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's an all new bike. Just yeah. the, the whole thing is new. So it's not like, well, it's got a new this or new that everything's new. Again, it's not supplanting the SV650, which I would have anticipated that was the whole point of this bike. Sure. No, the SV650 is still going to exist for people who want that. And that's cool because the SV650 is a great motorcycle. Right. And just super fun. It's super easy to ride. And if you like a torquey motor, that bike is hard to beat, you know, for the weight and the price. And, and it looks good. Everything about it. It's great. Yeah. So it's it's good that that bike isn't disappearing yet. Although, you know, you always wonder with it, you know, the design does date back to the 1900s. It's not a, a new design and it, it, it's, it's getting long in the tooth. So, and this motor is completely brand new from the ground up. And so is the, the new chassis, the swing arm, you know, just all sorts of cool features that makes it look high end. Now, the suspension's not adjustable, except, you know, you can do the uh, rear spring preload, which, you know, you can pretty much always do on a bike. So that there's, there's, it's not, this is not a high end, you know, street bike. It's a naked upright, still more basic transportation but fun you know completely workable in the canyons i suspect again we don't know haven't ridden it but everything looks like it should 17 inch wheels dunlop sport max road sport two rubber if you want to get better tires on it you can easily do that readily mounted uh, front disc brakes 310 millimeter rotors so these are all good numbers things like things we like you know we 
I say we like to see, we kind of expect to see these days. You know, that's what that's that's kind of where we're at. And so it's got all the, you know, I hate to say this term because it's cliche. It checks all the boxes. You know, <laughs> it's funny for me to say that because when I see that in reviews, I just edit it out. <laughs> like that is a cliche I don't want to hear anymore. But it does, it does have what you expect. And so I, again, no price. We don't know what the spike is going to cost, but uh, you assume it's going to cost. In fact, I had a little contest on Facebook. We want to see, you know, if people can guess what it's going to cost. I think I said it was going to be eight. It's going to be more than the SV650, but it can't be as much as, say, a Kawasaki uh, Z900. Because Suzuki is very price conscious. They usually come in as like, oh, well, that's surprising. Or, you know, that price is not as much as I thought. Sure. Next up is it's kind of an unexpected little one, but it's, it's not a big deal. But there's a new uh, 2023 Honda Rebel 1100T DCT. And basically, it's there's Rebel 1100, we all know and love, and which is a great bike. It's the T, DCT version, the dual truck clutch transmission automatic transmission does all the shifting for you and you know i can tell you from riding the, the standard rebel 1100 dct that dct works great in that format you just you're just riding you're just twisting throttle you're going just easy to ride i mean you don't think that 1100 is a beginner bike but this is a bike that you could actually put somebody that had very little motorcycle riding experience on or maybe even none because it takes away the whole issue of shifting in the clutch which can intimidate Somebody who's never driven a stick or doesn't have any clue to it. Okay, so I've gone through that and you're thinking, well, okay, what is the Rebel 1100T? Well, it's a touring version. Now, Honda did not go all out on this to make it a touring version. All it is is a batwing fairing mounted to the triple clamp and not a big one, just a small one and two hard panniers in the back. There's nothing behind that fairing. There's no radio or GPS or any of that stuff mounted in the fairing. It's just it's just a piece of plastic up there to keep the wind off of you. So this isn't like a big deal. This is something they could have just put those those two parts into the parts catalog and just not even mentioned it. <laughs> and you could just throw them on there yourself and say, hey, look, I've got a Honda 1100T. But they're now selling it that way. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes me just want to go out and try. You know, I really like that bike. It's very enjoyable to ride. And so I'd, I'd like to see how that works as a, you know, like a weekend tour, you know, you, you wouldn't want to go across the country in it, although you certainly could, but it's, uh, it's just another kind of little flavoring thing and, and a way to have an, a new model without having to do a lot of work, but uh, it looks good too. And that's, that's good. This bike pretty much has, has a bit of a category to itself. Again, it's hardly a new model. Great that Honda did that and kind of planted that idea in the minds of riders. Like somebody might see that and think, well, I'd like to go on trips and then I don't have any bags and then not even go into the dealer and ask or think, oh, I don't want to, you know, put like some, you know, soft bags or something. I don't think that'll look good. The bags on this look good. The fairing looks good. So we'll be getting it. I'll be riding it and I'll tell you how much I like it. Okay. Okay. And moving over to European world, there's a new Ducati Scrambler 800, which started the whole ducati scrambler okay at least initially they've they've crammed it down to three versions you know we're not seeing the desert sled we're not seeing the cafe racer and these they have these odd you know versions that come and go the icon is their stand what we would think of as their standard version they call this the icon that's it the full throttle which is a more sporty version and the night shift which is a kind of a stylish sporty version you know it's the same basic motorcycle and just you know, there's changes with like handlebars and things like that, but uh, the changes on the the bike this year is are is is big, relatively speaking. Now the motor, top end of the motor is pretty much the same. They have changed the transmission though. They worked on the clutch, shrunk the clutch, and made it so it has a lighter pull, and uh, saved five and a half pounds, which is good. Although five and a half pounds in that part of the bike, you're not going to feel so much. And they changed the shift drum so it shifts easier, apparently. So, you know, those are all good things. It's now a ride-by-wire motor, even though it's still the air-cooled L-twin or V-twin, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. You know, but now it has two riding modes with the ride-by-wire, uh, road and wet. So that's not very exciting. I'm glad they have the wet mode because when the when this bike first came out, it was kind of oriented towards like Mr. Cotty's like beginner bike. 
and it would attract a new rider. You know, I don't like new riders to get a bike as big as this, but some people are going to do that. And that's fine. But it had a pretty potent motor for what it was. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, I, I wouldn't want to put a beginner on this motor. But with this, if they can put it in the, in the wet mode and pad down the power, that would be, I'd say, okay, you can, you can give that a shot without too much risk there. Right. It now has a TFT dash. We're seeing that, you know, more and more. Sure. And it uses Ducati's new software where they, instead of having like terms like, you know, traction control A, traction control B, they, they use more normal verbiage so that you understand what something means. Soft, hard. It just makes it more conversational. Right. Okay. And it makes it so anybody can understand. I mean, the ones like Yamaha, Suzuki, have A, B, and C. That doesn't help me. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like, come on, give me, give me a name. You know, they don't have to be something silly like BMW with their rock and roll <laughs> right. modes, but you know, ones that tell me what, what it actually does are, are good. Right. But, uh, but anyway, there's the three, the three versions uh, that are still basically the same bikes, but with, with styling and some ergonomic changes with different handlebars and, and the things along that model. I mean, the night shift is very much a, you know they don't have the cafe racer anymore so this is but it is more the cafe with the flat narrow bars and bar end mirrors and it's got a real retro brown seat it, it looks cool and the full throttle is more upright again with flatter bend of the bar so that you know you just kind of in a more aggressive stance more of a bob front fender and it shortens in bob rear you know it actually takes off the complete rear fender off the uh the frame, you know, it has one of those swing arm mounted things that comes out and acts as a fender and uh, license plate holder and turning turn signals, all the not turn signal on this one, but on some bikes, uh, this in the part up on the frame is just bare. So it gives cool look. And so the full throttle is, you know, kind of the more sporty, but more upright version, a bit more like a flat tracker. And then this, the standard one, which is just kind of the standard. So those are all very exciting. And uh, okay. the price has gone up, unfortunately. The Icon's now over $10,000, it's 10,995. Last year they had, as it was going out, they, they had the Dark, which they, they do every year with different right. bikes where it's like a, a lower end finish and save like a thousand bucks. But now you're going from 9,000 the least expensive to, to 11,000. So that's, it's, it's there, there must be pretty, pretty secure that they can sell these or there's more coming down the road the full throttle is, is 12,200 and the as is the night shift so the the two high-end ones are or over 12 and the standard one's 11 basically right so those are that's all exciting again those are bike. you know i love the scrambler so i can't wait to to ride that and in that same sort of range we have the new indian ftr lineup now this one is not as big of a makeover they have a new version called the Sport. The one I tested, which I love, this is like one of his bikes work. I was expecting to like it because I like motorcycles and it's kind of hard for me to not be happy when I'm riding a motorcycle, but the FTR Carbon, which is their highest end model. We tested that last year. That bike is awesome. It is just super, super, super fun to ride. Yeah, I remember you saying. I mean, you look cool on it. You feel cool. It's, it's long. You know, there's, it's not a cruiser, but it's, it's, it's a very stable bike. So you can just relax and ride it. You know, you wouldn't want it if you were going to try to race your friends through the canyons and you're not supposed to race on the street anyway. Right. <laughs> but anyway, but the, the FTR is a much more stable, casual, but still potent bike. And now they have the, the R carbon version is back and it has its big deal is it has only suspension and a bunch of carbon parts. So that's cool. Then there's a, a sport version, which is the new version, which is basically that same sort of design, but without the carbon, without the, you know, you get the sack suspension front and rear, which is still good suspension, but certainly it's not the Olings, but it's still inverted fork, just, you know, fully adjustable suspension. If you want the bare bones version, you don't care about, oh, I just want the power, give it to me. And, you know, I don't care about the ABS setting. I just want to go riding. It's like, so the standard FTR is there for you. And then they have the throwback rally, which is the old uh, original version, basically, of the FTR. And it has the oddball engine, or excuse me, it has the oddball wheel sizes. It has the 18 rear and 19 front. 
because it was supposed to look like a, a flat tracker. But the problem with the 1819 combo is that you really are restricted what tires you can put on it. Whereas the other three, the standard FTR, the FTR Sport, and the FTR R Carbon have 17 inch wheels front and back. So you can put, you know, slicks on it. <laughs> so, and take it to the, tr for track day. That's a big difference right there. Right. So, right. but a lot of people like the rally. They like the way it looks. They like that it's a little bit taller. They just, you know, that's again, what I'll just say it again. It's great to have a choice. For sure. And what do we have next? Oh, the Royal Enfield. Oh, nice. Okay. This is an, an another interesting one. Uh, it's the Super Meteor 650. We're familiar with the Continental GT 650 and the INT the Interceptor, but they can't call it that in the United States because of conflicts with other companies like Honda. <laughs> so it's their parallel twin, their, their high-end bike, and they've taken that motor. Now they put it in a completely new cruiser chassis. So it's got the you know low seat, wide bars. So, and it looks, you know, it looks, it's an oddball looking cruiser as cruisers go, you know, it's not a V-twin, it's a parallel twin. It kind of looks like the Kawasaki mid-size cruisers of the 80s. If you, you know, you picture that, you know, and they had the, the parallel twin. Right. I can't remember the names of them, but but it, it very much looks like the Kawasaki's. In fact, the Royal Enfield logo that they have on it reminds me of the Kawasaki logo of the day. So it's, it's definitely a throwback look and it's a throwback bike. I mean, it's got an air-cooled, twin cylinder single overhead cam two valve per cylinder engine it does have e efi though fortunately so you know there's that upgrade but it's got twin shocks and it's got oddly inverted forks i'm not sure why they made that decision it looks a little odd on the bike a little out of place but uh maybe they got a deal on them from somebody and uh it's got a very cool dash it's it's basically a big round speedometer but in the center is an lcd so you you know, can keep track of a bunch of different, you know, scroll through different pieces of information, which, which are, which is good, but still have that, that feel of the, of the speedometer, you know, going the, the needle going along the way. And it's, it's over a wide stretch, which is good. So that means it moves a lot when you accelerate instead of moving just a little bit, like on some sport bikes. <laughs> right. And it's got that little separate navigation pod where you can program in where you're going. It'll tell you when to turn left and right. It's not like GPS, but it's a very simplified thing with just arrows saying, you know, point one mile, make a right. It's like, okay. The chassis was designed by the Harris Performance in England. Are you familiar with them, Arthur? <laughs> For sure. Of course. Okay. They got bought a few years ago by Royal Enfield. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And, and they designed the chassis for this bike. So they, they're kind of like the chassis people for Royal Enfield. So, you know, these bikes are still designed in England for the most part. It's not completely designed in England, but a lot of the design work does happen at their headquarters, their, their English headquarters. And again, Harris Performance is, a, is part of that. I expect that the bike is going to handle pretty good. And maybe that's why it has an inverted fork. They go, oh, yeah, I got to have that. <laughs> and 16-inch uh, rear wheel, 19-inch front for that kind of, you know, cruiser look. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things to be said about this or to, you know to look to look at there's also going to be a touring version okay it has a windshield okay but it does not have the bags the bags are still accessories it's a windshield and a passenger backrest but the windshield's cool the bags look really good the passenger seat backrest isn't you know it's not too high it's a nice little thing so the passenger's going to not feel like they're going to fly off the back and uh it looks cool it looks good okay Cool. I, I'll just sound like a broken record as if kids today know what a broken record is. <laughs> but to sound like a broken record, it, uh, you know, I really look forward to this bike. I look forward to riding. I really want to, you know, I want to get it out on the open road, maybe visit my dad in Arizona and say, can I ride this bike, you know, 400 miles in a day? How's that going to be? You know, or is this only a tour, you know, from 100, 150 miles, like a local tour? So I, I, I look forward to seeing what the capabilities of this bike are. The cruiser version is going to be easy. You ride around town, you look cool. People go, oh, what's that bike? Oh, that looks good. Oh, Royal Enfield, never heard of that. Or, oh, that's an old brand. That's really cool. <laughs> Whatever it is, people are going to 
people are going to, it's a bike that people are going to notice and they're going to say something to you. And that's always fun. If you like to be talked to, <laughs> you know, basically though, to me, if, if you don't like anybody talking to you, you probably shouldn't even ride motorcycles because people like to talk to people on motorcycles because you're cool and you're doing something that they wish they could do and, and they're not doing. Yeah, for sure. So let me jump back to Honda again for a minute. Speaking of retro, there's, and this is another bike they haven't said it's for here yet. And I've talked to Honda and they don't seem, nobody wants to say that it's coming here. So maybe it's not. It's the new Honda CL500. Okay. Uh, if you're familiar with older Hondas in the 60s and 70s, they had a CL line, which was their scrambler. The CL has roots before the SL dual sport bikes. And then, which was supplanted by the XL dual sport bikes, which was supplanted by the CRF dual sport bikes. But anyway, the original dual sport, but it was actually a scrambler, were the CL bikes. And basically, you had the Honda CB line, which was their street bikes. The CL was the street bike, but with up pipes and different handlebars. There's your dirt bike. Hey, you want to go and ride in the dirt? Well, we put different bars on it, and the pipes are now up here, so they won't get crunched when you go through rocks. Right. And so you're like, oh, wow, I think I'm going to go dirt bike riding. And you know what? People raced them in Baja. They raced them in the desert. They rode Enduros on the East Coast on them. They were the dirt bikes of their time until the Yamaha DT1 came out in 1968 and changed that whole world. And that was kind of the beginning of the demise of, of the CLs. And the CL 450 was a, real, actually was a very interesting scrambler in the Honda world. Most of the scramblers you know, were small displacement. You know, They had a 175, they had a 125, 100. The 450 though, if you remember Arthur, was a double overhead cam motor in 1965. I do remember, yeah. I mean, and and somebody not you know that familiar with history, the you know a double overhead cam motor in 1965 was a big deal. Yeah, for sure. You know, because like the English bikes were still running push rods. Yeah. All of a sudden, Honda is like, hey, we're putting double overhead cams. Beat that. So they had it was a 444 cc motor that eventually was morphed into a, a scrambler. And it was the least popular of the Honda Scramblers because it was big and heavy and it really wasn't well suited for the off-road world. This new CL500, which is the closest you're going to get to a CL450, the new CL500 is not what you'd expect because normally you say, okay, so they took the Honda you know, CB500 and put the F and then put different bars on it. And okay, and up pipe somehow. No, 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 no. Honda took the Rebel 500 and turned it into a, a scrambler. Now, it's funny that they would take a cruiser and turn it into a scrambler. And I didn't pick up on this right away. Somebody reminded me of the Yamaha, the very short-lived Yamaha SCR 950 scrambler, which was based on the bull. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So this is not a completely alien idea that you would take a cruiser and turn it into a scrambler. Because ultimately, you're not going to ride this bike off-road. So. And in this case, you really aren't going to ride this bike off-road. To me, it's not really a scrambler. They call it CL500. It doesn't say scrambler, but CL is scrambler, you know, in the Honda nomenclature. And so I'm like, okay, the exhaust goes under the engine. So you have under the engine, and then you have the catalyst down there, and it's no, there's no protection from it. So if you went off-road, if you went off a curb, you have to be really careful to not crunch the bottom end because it wouldn't be like you just like clank out on the frame you'd be smashing the exhaust right so that's kind of a bumper you know it's like oh come on guys so basically what it does is the, it's a parallel twin comes down has the collector underneath and then it zooms back up and then it has a high mounted muffler at the back with dual outlets but it's a single muffler with dual outlets so it kind of has this styling thing going but man I, you know if you look at like a triumph scrambler 900 or Scrambler 1200, that's how the Scramblers are supposed to look. You have two big chrome pipes right up against the side of the motor, side, you know, across the side plates and out the back. You don't have stuff going around down the bottom. Come on. So they're not trying quite hard enough for me. You know, so maybe, I sh maybe I'm just like upset that they call it a CL or none of the CLs back in the 70s, all the different size CLs they have, none of them had exhaust going under the motor. So this doesn't fit with that expectation that I have of what a CL has. Somebody who doesn't care about how they did it in 1967 is going to just go, okay, who cares? Which I completely understand. So 
it, it looks like it looks. I, I think it looks good. Uh, again, you're not going to ride it in the dirt. You might ride it in a dirt parking lot or on a, a, a totally gravelly road would be okay. But any, like I said, even riding off the curb, man, I'd be really nervous. You know, I have to blip that throttle and make sure I lightened up that front end so it didn't just clunk down and uh, break something that you don't want to break. Yeah. Basically, it's a Rebel. You know, it's a Rebel with different bars, different exhaust. I should also mention that they did change the tire sizes to a 1719, which is that adventure combination I was talking about earlier. If you wanted to somehow in your crazy mind, put like pretty knobby-ish tires on it, but you might want to do that just because that cool look, you know, that's a look that we see on a lot of custom scrambler type bikes that would never take off road. It's that kind of, I always call it the zombie apocalypse look. So it's, it's like, it's got the knobby-ish tires. I mean, the standard tires are the uh, Dunlop Trailmax Mixed Tour, which uh, has previously been a European only tire. It's still not on the Dunlop list, but I'm seeing that on bikes that are starting to be imported in the United States. It's a very street oriented, you know, Trail Max Mixed Tour. He's got to love that name. <laughs> the Dunlop Trail Max Mixed Tour. What does that even mean? It's, it, it, it says too much. You, know, you kind of like come away thinking, what does it do? <laughs> it, it's not a trail max. It's a mixed tour. If you're going down the, the gravelly road or in a gravelly parking lot, you're good. You know, you don't want to do any kind of real off-road. So it's not trail max. But it has that tire. That 1719 gives you a lot of tire options for customizing the bike via the tires, which, as we know, if you have different kind of tires, you can make a bike look quite a bit different. Right. The seating is not as dipped down as the Rebel. It's actually four inches higher, but it's but still not high. You know, it's, it's like four inches. You go four inches, but you know that's that's on a uh, bike that was a cruiser. It's still the seat height's just thirty-one inches, so that's not anything radical. And the bike only weighs four hundred twenty-three pounds, so it's not big adventure bike heavy. No, that's pretty light. But I'm I'm just gonna have to get over this. You know, sometimes I just have to get over it and say, okay, the CL, it's not a scrambler. They didn't call it a scrambler. They just gave it the scrambler letters, you know, in the, in the code name. <laughs> I'm sure when you ride it, it's, it's like, this is a cool street bike, you know? And it's a bike where you ride it around the street and you look cool. And people go, that bike is cool. And you're cool because you're riding it. And I go, well, I'm glad you noticed. So this is another, you know, interesting variation that Honda is taking a bike that they had, rejiggering it. And all of a sudden we have an, a kind of a brand new look bike that you kind of didn't, I didn't, ex this is a bike I didn't expect. A lot of bikes you see and you kind of go, oh, I saw that coming. This is one, didn't see it coming, but I like it. But whether we see it in the United States, I, th I think we should. I mean, if when we posted on Facebook, it got a lot of interest. Like, oh, you know, they want to, you know, they want to know more about it. So seems to me like that Honda should look at that and go, well, I think people might want to buy this motorcycle and right. bring it over. They're already making it anyway, make some for us. So Okay. Next up is, and, and this is like a, a variant type thing. It's the 2023 Aprilia RS660 Extrema. Okay. Aprilia's gotten quite a bit of use out of that uh, RS660 platform. They had the naked bike, the different versions of the sport bike, and they, you know, they race them in AMA Moto America series. Sure. And uh, then they use the motor for the uh, Touareg 660 adventure bike anyway this new extrema is basically a track bike although it is street legal it's got the lights in the, in the mirrors but it's 37 pounds lighter than the standard rs660 which was already light wow so it's got the big deal it's got carbon fiber galore an sc project exhaust we know how cool those are and it's carbon fiber you know and they have it set up so you can remove the passenger pegs and uh save even more weight you know things like the front fender are carbon fiber belly pan carbon fiber a uh, single seat although it's a, they, they have a setup where you can make it so you put somebody on the back for track day i suppose <laughs> i don't know why you you're riding two up this is not what you bike but in, i mean it really is track day it has the software that allows you to run upside down shifting so you you know you can have the gp shift where wow. you know okay. up for down down for up yeah that's pretty serious and you don't have to replace any components or software, just ready to go. You know, it's got the IMU set up, so you're all good to go on that. Cornering ABS, lean angle detecting traction control, engine braking, engine maps, wheelie control, blah, 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 all the good stuff that you want. So what was the 
weight of this thing 366 pounds wow that's a light motorcycle so you know that's gonna be super fun to ride on the track and if you have it on the street it looks cool it's got like a checkered flag motif but it's the checkered flag is red green and black and of course white so it has you know the italian look and it it this bike is super sexy yeah next up is yamaha is updated of all things the Nikon gt remember that three-wheel motorcycle i love that bike nobody understood and it disappeared from the yamaha lineup in the united states but people in europe must have figured it out on some level because it's still available there and they're they updated it this year now, this is one where I don't expect to see it in the United States. We kind of, there's just no way. The, the bike, right. I mean, I like it, you like it. I think anybody who rides it likes it, right. but it's hard to convince somebody to ride it. And, you know, there's always going to be a stigma to three wheels. That's just the way it is, you know, like it or not. There's a lot of people going to go, oh, those are training wheels. Okay, I get it. <laughs> and in a way they do act that way. If you want a mid-sized bike and you ride two up or you ride in the rain a lot this bike is great <laughs> because it, it the turning the steering the front end feel you know you're lock solid i mean i was able to ride that through corners in the rain as fast as i could in the dry on the on the the uh, gt the standard two-wheel version of this bike the the tracer gt i could just cram it into the corner even when it's wet and with those two 15 inch wheels it's it's not going anywhere and when you're riding two up as you did you know you can go and you tell how what it was like it was well it, it, sort of like you i mean it's like the ultimate confidence in the front end so no matter what entrance speed you've got going into a corner you always come through the corner thinking well i could have carried quite a lot more it's just sort of impossible to lose the front end but it's, so it's, it's just a really nice handling bike. It's very user-friendly. Um, and, and, you know, it is basically safer, I would say, than any other motorcycle on the road. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's Like I said, it's in the rain, man. <laughs> I, I remember I was riding it on the uh, 101 and it was pouring. I mean, it was like pouring, 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 pouring. And we were going down this one stretch as you come into Pismo Beach area. It's a, it's a downhill and it goes to where there must be a stream below and then a, and a steep uphill. And at the bottom, it was wet. It was deep, not deep, but I mean, it was, it was thick with wa standing water. And if I was on a regular motorcycle, I would have been, <laughs> I, I would have pulled off. I, I would not have, on, on the, but on the Nikon, I just went flying right through it like I was in a car. <laughs> Thing was not the least bit concerned, but I would not have done that on a motorcycle. I would have, dropped i would have been in first gear in the right lane or on the shoulder just creeping through yeah so it that that won me over i appreciate what it is and and a smart person who really had a grasp of what they need it could be the perfect bike for them yeah but they weren't going to be able to buy in the united states anyway for the europeans or if you want to go to europe and and gray market went over here which is probably impossible now uh it gets if you remember the mt09 got an engine update recently that it bumped it up to an 890 and the now the Nikon has that new motor oh it has the same one as well okay so it got the bump too nice so it's 113 horsepower they put a new frame in it puts a little bit more weight on the front wheel to compensate for the more power not that you're gonna I guess you could wheelie it I think I've seen pictures of people wheeling it but oh yeah that's a lot there's a lot of weight on the front end there is a lot of weight yeah they have they uh, put in a new clutch it has a quick shifter and Yamaha was kind of behind this. The times the quick shifter, it had the up only. Yamaha was kind of like slow to adopt the downshifting. It was, uh, it was an up only quick shifter, which was annoying because you kind of get used to quick shifters being up and down. And all of a sudden that bike, you have to remember, oh yeah, I can't shift down. But anyway, so they've met, they have now fixed that and they don't, uh, you know, and then you're in, 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 it goes up and down, which is great. And Although the in the cruise control kind of interesting, Yamaha just has a, must have an oddball group of electronics guys because they have different they do do things different look the differently than other other companies. The cruise control only works in fourth gear and above. <laughs> okay. Now that that's fine. I mean, I can't imagine using. I mean, I only use cruise control in, in the top gear. Ever. 
Right. You know what I mean? Same here. I've not. I've never been in second gear and said, ah, "I don't think I'll put the cruise control on." <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I mean, it kind of doesn't matter. But it's, why? Why would you do that? That's weird. Uh, maybe it's like a pit limiter. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're out you're in some town where the speed limit's 35 and you don't want to get in trouble so just set the cruise control for 35 and, you know i don't know but anyway you can only use it in fourth gear and above but i i would only use it in sixth gear and above so that doesn't really affect me uh if it, other you know things new shock arm shock linkage arm smaller diameter shock spring and they have new shock damping settings Again, this is all, it has more power, so they kind of adjusted the, uh, the, the, the chassis to adapt to the additional power, which, which makes sense. Right. There's a big TFT dash, seven inch. It's a big one. And it, uh, there's a Yamaha My Ride Link app, which does you know, all the normal stuff. Like, <laughs> it does stuff I don't want to do, like monitor you know, text messages, emails, and phone calls on the dash. I, I don't want to see that stuff when I'm riding. But no. that's that's just me. Other people want to see it, you know. <laughs> and and it also it, it interacts with your your headset, your intercom headset, so you can see what song is playing on your uh, on the dash. Like, you know, I have a five a playlist. I know what song is playing. I put it there. <laughs> but other people, I guess, if you're listening to somebody else's somebody else's playlist, you'll know what it is. And one thing that's cool is it it's uh, compatible with the a Garmin app that uh, gives you uh, the turn by turn navigation, traffic reports, different route options, estimated arrival times, weather condition. Now you have to subscribe to Garmin this field to get that, but it's compatible with it. So if, if you're tour and you like to have that sort of you know w- wide ranging information right there on the dash, which is cool, then then this bike will will adjust to that. And the windscreen's uh, more adjustable than before. Uh, the new seat uh, makes it a little bit, it's a little bit narrower in the front, put feet on the ground. Uh, the new dash comes with new switch gear. So you, there's a little joystick type of operation. Uh, there's a USB port. So a bunch of little things that they've changed and uh, they've improved the mounting on the side cases. I didn't find the other ones to have a problem, but I guess they felt like it needed to be improved. and uh, the style is, has been modified a bit. The, this bike is it's it's black with some bronze pieces. It looks looks like it would be pretty cool in person. So we don't have a price. We're not going to get it in the United States almost for sure. I can't imagine we're going to get this. So this is kind of like one of those things that it's just fun to see and go. Oh, that's pretty cool. But, you know, <laughs> sure. unless I'm going to move to Europe, I'm not going to get to ride it. But uh, <laughs> but it's 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 worth knowing about, and that's that's part of the fun of there being this global market, you can look at motorcycles from all over the world and say, oh man, I'd like to get that. I don't know if we get, we, I guess we get things that they don't get in other countries. So they go, oh man, I want that bike. How come I don't get that bike? <laughs> Not as many, I think it works more the other way, but still uh, this, the Nikon, it's worth, it's nice that Yamaha is able to stick with it. I, Yamaha always is coming up with interesting front suspension designs and none of them stick. <laughs> right but they keep trying and i i appreciate that they keep trying and you know maybe they'll come up with something that works but the you know the idea of two wheels and four tong four tangs of fork going down there is is quite a a, a shocker to the senses of 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 a regular motorcycle rider so anyway i have one more to talk to you about these are pie in the sky motorcycles i'll say yet but kawasaki is uh, showing their electric and hydrogen powered and hybrid motorcycles. So we have uh, kind of three different concepts going. And the first one, the electric bike is not really a motorcycle. It's a kid's, it's like one of those Stasic type of things, but it's designed completely by Kawasaki and it's all electric and it gets kids started on two wheels and and that's gonna be available in time for Christmas. You get, you have a little, you have a son or daughter or you have a niece or nephew that needs to get going on two wheels. Kawasaki's got a Stasic op, uh, alternative that uh, that has some pretty cool features and uh, definitely worth looking into. The next thing is that they ha- are going to have two completely electric uh, small 
relatively small bikes based on the Ninja 400 size. It's the Ninja BEV and the Ninja ZBEV. So they're both battery powered. Uh, we don't have any specs on these. We just kind of look at them and, you know, they've got the IRC road winner tires. So it's not the up spec bike. It's not like a 650 or a 1000 Ninja. It's definitely the 400 base. And uh, those are expected to be available as 2024 models. So in a year, maybe riding those kind of cool. And, you know, I, electric bikes, people get really mad, you know, you post, oh, I'm never going to buy one. I'm going to quit riding motors. Electric bikes are fine as long as they meet your needs. And if they don't meet your needs, well, they're the wrong bike. You know, don't get mad about it. Just go, oh, that bike's not for me. No big deal. It's okay. Not every bike is for you, you know, dude, just relax. <laughs> don't, if that bike's not for me. They didn't build that bike exactly for me. I'm mad. <laughs> like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, anyway, so. And the next one they have, which is really interesting, is the Kawasaki ATV, which is a hybrid, like a Prius type of thing, where it has a <laughs> twin cylinder motor along with the battery. And that might, might satisfy some people and it might have an incredible range, you know, and for touring, that could be a really cool bike. And this bike is again, is, is a, a more upgrade mid scale, maybe the, the uh, you know, a Ninja 650 type of uh, uh, type of bike. And uh, it's got uh, road Dunlop Sportmax Road Sport 2 tires. So you're up a little, you know, up a little step in there. But it's got, a, like I said, it's got a twin and it's got a battery. And so, you know, we haven't seen a hybrid motorcycle yet. And I don't have any objection to that. <laughs> I might not want to buy one, but that doesn't mean I'm not happy that they have them. And then the real, the real big, you know, interesting thing is this uh, new Kawasaki uh, hydrogen gap, hydrogen uh, powered bike. And so that's a, you know, people say fuel cell, and it always cracks me up when they use the term fuel cell to describe a gas tank, because a gas fuel cell is nothing like a gas tank. A fuel cell is a motor that generates electricity, and then electricity runs the uh, runs the bike. It's a completely different concept <laughs> but anyway so how that's how this works you put this compressed hydrogen gas into the tank and it runs a hydrogen powered motor and then that creates electricity and then you have an electric bike but it's but you don't have to charge batteries so you know you could go into the hydrogen and there's actually one near my house hydrogen uh gas it is gas it's not liquid gas it's it's you know, this air, uh, fill it up with, uh, you know, the hydrogen gas and go riding and then go to the next one and go riding. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to wait an hour and a half while it charges up or we'll all have coffee or no, no, no. It, this, this fixes that problem, but you still get that power delivery of electronic power delivery. So that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you're not going to see that before the 2025 year model, if, if that, but they have big plans for that motor. You know, it's it's designed to be like a big bike thing and maybe a replacement for the Concours power plant. They show it as being in a sport touring chassis. And they're also going to use that motor in their KRX, KRX 1000 chassis. So it's like they're fast, big, side by side. So Kawasaki's got some interesting things going, coming down the pike there. The, like I said, the BEV the ZBEV and the ATV and then the hydrogen prototype. And actually all of them I find very interesting. Uh, even the, the 400-ish, 400 size electric, right. vehicle, you know, all electric one, that might be a fun bike to ride. You know, it's a, it, it, there's, you know, it's a naked bike and it looks, it looks cool. I mean, it has, the, they did the styling really well on it. You know, it doesn't look like that weird electric bike thing. It doesn't look like, it looks like a futuristic motorcycle. And so you, you won't have that kind of negative, you know, oh, look at that dumb thing. You know, it, it looks, it looks cool. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not as anti-electric, you know, both you and I have owned electric cars and understand their utility, you know, that, that they, 
they have a place, you know, don't be mad about them. And yes, you can be mad that you think that electric vehicles are being shoved down our throat, which they are. But in the meantime, still just judge it as, is this usable? Do I want to use this? No, is they not? Okay, but somebody else will. And we both, you know, as I said, we had Fiat 500Es and they were great. <laughs> super fun, super usable. Can't drive to San Francisco in one, but around town, it cannot be beat. And electric motorcycles are kind of the same way. If you live in an urban, suburban area, you know, and, and, and they're within the distance of your commute, you know, the range, eh, there's a lot to be said for a bike like that. So, and it will bring in a lot of people who, you know, find motorcycles a bit intimidating. Electric bikes a lot easier to ride than a, than a gasoline powered one. So, and the, and the hybrid, hybrid is another super interesting concept. And, and the hydrogen is really interesting. That is a bike I really want to, you know, see how that works, you know, and how it sounds. And it's all going to be interesting to see. So anyway, there we go. That's my report. Like I said, there was more. I didn't get everything, but, you know, I could go on for hours and you don't want to hear from me for hours. No, that's great. Okay. Um, that, that's, uh, that's quite comprehensive and uh, some interesting stuff coming out. And I like this, uh, this trend towards these, uh, you know, upper middle weight size um, adventure bikes that, that the Japanese seem to be embracing. So I think there's a, there's a big gap in the market there. So that'll be interesting. All right. Hey, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Yeah, talk to you later. All right.